0: We all make sure that we're not so internally motivated, always looking internally for what we want, but it's about what can we use as our platform and as leaders, as a collective, to come together to really make a meaningful difference in the world. Mind work, skill work, network.
1: It's all about me and nothing else matters. I'm probably going to be more of a gift to the world.
2: Stop thinking too far ahead and start looking at the issues in your own backyard.
3: Sense of responsibility for what I know and what I'm passionate to put into the world and something that I've heard many times, but I've started saying to myself every day now, and that is who can I help today?
4: Communication is the key. If we start to communicate effectively and we can make a big impact.
5: Try this bad boy out You are welcome to take a seat at the table, where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable, to facilitate a new conversation.
6: Hi. Okay, we're live now. Should we start? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do all right. It. I am so excited, like beyond excited to have all of you join me on the decision table today. It has been a huge month, and I mean a huge month, and an interesting month of using the lens of the muscle of human intelligence. We have had just so, like it blows me away. I've just done two months consistently of having a daily conversation with someone new. And I cannot tell you, everyone is so different. Oh my gosh, and I know we know that, but to do that and to have that as conversations has been so amazing and has just, you know, grown my thinking on this side of it and I'm learning new insights. And I want us to sort of bring that together, not just as individuals, but as a collective, because that is one of the things that has come out massively in amongst these conversations. So welcome to the table, Michelle. Hello. Welcome to the table, Jackson. (laughs) G'day. Sean. Howdy, how? Manuel. Hello. Jen. Hi. And there should be a couple others that probably will be joining us as well. Nicole being one of them and on another one. So I'm excited to have you guys on the table. We are going to have to have answers that are not 50 minutes long because that won't work. But here's the thing. We are going to be asking around. I want you guys just like you did when you had this individual conversation with me. We just bantered back and forth. That's what this is about. We are bringing one of the things that I noticed. Was, you know, when we talk about the muscle of human intelligence, we have amazing, smart, awesome humans across the globe. And they don't look all the same. They don't sound all the same. And they definitely are not saying all the same things. And one of the things that I want to get out of today is there's been some really highlighted sort of insights that have come from the conversations. And then I'd love to open it as an open forum. And here's a few of them. One of them is we need to listen more as leaders. The other one is that a lot of this, and this one has blown me away, a lot of this has stemmed from the fact that as a child, as a young person, that we are not necessarily even trained in that way Given the go-ahead to think differently, to be unique, to bring that smartness, whatever that looks like, it's not an accepted thing because often when you are smart, you're actually not accepted because it's not the norm. So that was an interesting one that came out of so many conversations. Another one was this, that isolation. Oh, my goodness. So many leaders doing amazing things going, but I feel really isolated and that we need to do it more as a collective. I think they're probably the top three. I'm going to throw that out. Sean, what do you think when you hear those things?
7: Well, I, uh, being a longtime student of communications, again, uh, been in the game for 20 years in the sales space specifically, I came, when I first started in my sales career, I was always told like these records that get planted in your head of like, Hey, you're going to be great at sales because you have that outgoing personality. First of all, I wasn't outgoing when I started. I was into, like, I was introverted for sure. And but then, like sports kind of helped me bring it out to where I became a captain of a team and I was forced in the spotlight. And then I said, okay, well, I now I have to do this. And so everyone was saying, go into sales and do something about it. And so that's what I did when I came out of university. And then what I found was speaking a lot is the worst thing you can ever do in sales, like two years, one mouth, use them in proportion. And so that was like one of the first lessons that I learned because I wasn't closing deals. And of course, when you go into sales, that's what you gotta do. So it's like, how do you do it, right? And then I think that's also kind of what gives the traditional salesperson kind of the bad name is they just talk, 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 and they never listen to actually go solve problems. And so. The first thing that you said kind of stuck with me the hardest. And then, of course, I do believe in the human intelligence, but the leadership piece that you said of the collectives, I think that's really valuable as well, because that's why we work towards or look for organizations that have like a true cause behind them, kind of like yours, right? You know, like with uh, shining the the flashlight on all those people that are with the child abuse and that stuff.
6: Yeah. Interesting. Love that. Thank you. Jen, what about you? I just had a flash and I thought, oh
1: yeah, what was the question again? It's because, you know, I was listening, but then you check out in the sense that I didn't just check out on Sean, I was just going down his whole world of what he was saying, you know, and I think there's something interesting about the human spirit, is listening is not really a discipline, it's an energy in a way, and then how do you kind of activate that listening energy in someone? And, you know, like people say storytelling. Well, that's what I just, I was just already in the watching the sports team, like that whole story that I just saw so much about Sean when he told that story. Like, it's mind blowing. He didn't just say, oh, yeah, as selling, you're going to be listening, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, and, but how do you do that storytelling thing? Because, You know, we're talking about everybody's a leader now in my mind. Like everybody's a leader because if you're an entrepreneur anyway, but even if you're not, you're leading your children, you're leading your dog, you're leading your partner, they're leading you, whatever. So there's no thing, you know, it's like everything's a microcosm of all that. But I was thinking, you know, like people say tell a story, but if you can't feel the story, we felt that story. He wasn't just, he's probably told that story 10,000 times and because he's teaching sales but he told it again and we were in that story so how do you create the listening as the listener and the teller you know like so the listening goes again deeper and deeper doesn't it like how do you tell the story being the listener and telling the story as you're listening And that means you get the new story, the new bit about, you know, the coloured shorts that he wore or the thing, the piece that he remembered about his mum at that point and the compassion that came through with what she might have been going through at that time. Suddenly the story has got energetically a whole world of humanity connected to that story. And all he said was, oh, your mum picked me up and, you know, she was sick at the time, I don't know. And we're just going, and then we find out that his grandma looked after him or something and we're in the whole thing we've got the whole humanity and our all our humanity codes have kind of been activated and I think that's how we do the activation of the humanity codes but so yeah the listening it's not listening to the questions and what's next because that puts people in the mind and checks them out it's like listening to the story and then leading whatever's coming through for your listening to that
6: yeah Manuel, what do you have to say to what Jen just said? I
4: totally agree with Jen and Sean, you know, you know, I think, you know, before you want to state a story, you know, also, you know, you it's a nice correlation, what Sean said, you know, between, you know, was an introvert enough that, you know, you don't need to be an introvert extrovert. I think that my point is, you know, by, you know, I represent here, if you be a president of the U.S. Institute of Diplomacy and Human Rights, I think it's, I'm coming back, you know, to education, you know, if we, start, you know, give children or, you know, the young society to be more confident, you know, to be more creative, to be more sharing, you know, and to be empowered, I think we can create an impact, you know, to the all levels, you know, I think we know, you know, it's society, you know, education these days, you know, bully exist, you know, and I think if we try to understand, you know, especially, you know, this I'm preaching, you know, today, you know, to 300 participants, an online event, you know, human rights, the 30 human rights based on UN declaration, you'll be amazed, you know, the is stop in five seconds. And I think, you know, people doesn't know that, you know, people doesn't know how many human rights they have. But I don't want to go on that point. I want to go like educations. We need to, and I think with this pandemic, everything changed. And I think with online educations and have us, you know, it's our... A responsibility, you know, to be there, to take the hand and share with our neighbor, share with our teachers, and influence that until the point, you know, to make an impact. We can create an impact right now, and we can create an impact, you know, like Elon Musk is creating. You know, he create own education system. You know, he is going to own school and why is doing that is doing we now because this school is not good you know public school is not good is doing you know to create that environment for the children to be exposed you know to be confident to be creative to create the next generation which will go to mars will create different things and will be able to be confident and not indoctrinate in different way different systems which will that will go to limit themselves and you create limitations, you know. And that limitation is an abuse, which is doing right now in our society by different, especially, you know, by news media and other organizations as government to affect that limitation. You know, we cannot be limited, you know. And I yeah. think yeah. that is a point which I strongly recommend. And I like, you know, to hear a different point of view, but a very good shout to Jen mm. and Sean.
6: Yeah. What I love is that it opens up layers, right? When we start asking these questions, when we start thinking about, well, what is our response? It's a layer. So, Jackson, what layers, what did it open up for you?
0: Yeah, I think the important part here is the importance of this collaboration, because I think there is a a big connection for many entrepreneurs of leadership being lonely. Top's very lonely, and we have to be the kind of the pillar of the guiding light to our organization and to our clients and to the people in our community. But this often closes our perspective to looking sideways, looking horizontally to other leaders that are on the same journey as us. And this is why this forum is so important because it it allows us to open up the perspective or the different layers, the different ways of approaching things, the ways of challenging your own thoughts and perspectives and to help you become not only a better leader, but a more sustainable leader. Because when you're lonely at the top, that's not sustainable. We have to push through that loneliness from sheer perseverance and that's extremely difficult and i've encountered this myself and it's opening that perspective to asking for help to sharing your story to sharing your experience as a leader um, and then asking people around their experiences and perspectives where we can collaborate more effectively together to achieve the common goal which is inspiring the masses to achieve greatness
6: yeah i love that Nikhil. are we being a collaborative leadership as a collective
2: I don't know if that's a loaded question, Kieran Marie. It totally is. Are we talking about we as a group or we as a group? I don't
6: group? know. It's whatever you interpret that question to be, right? That's the right answer.
2: Cool. Okay, good. So,
6: And I think this is part of it, though. No, this is a good learning thing because I think we are so used to being asked questions and going, what is the answer we're meant to come up with? I'm not. I don't have an agenda here except that I want to bring a collective together. I want us to have a conversation. I want us to evolve from this conversation, to learn from each other, to go, how can we be more effective as leaders? That is my only agenda out of this conversation. We have smart people, we have phenomenal people doing amazing things across the globe. And yet, so many from our conversations this month have said, I feel isolated. It has been amazing. Do you know, I had an amazing guy. On one of the days, his name was Jeff. And his name was Jeff. Oh, sorry, that's a joke in Australia. Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. And his name was Jeff, and he maybe it's in my family. That's a joke. Anyway, and he was one of those kids that was really, really smart, and knew it. And unlike me, who didn't know I was even had any smartness to bring to the table, I was the opposite. I was the one that thought okay i'm not going to amount to anything because that's what i was told he was the opposite and told you know you don't think like me you don't understand and he goes but i'm smart and i'm just going to do it and he ruined relationships and communicate because he couldn't communicate his smartness to the table right and he came off well actually he said it as a public thing that's why i can say it here now but he said this is 65 you know i can't remember how old he said 65 maybe And he goes, it is so nice to connect with someone else who gets me. It is the first time I felt that. That, to me, shows that we're not doing what we're meant to be doing out there. (laughs) Shows there's this gap between where there's amazing people needing to create awareness, bring the word out, get things change happening, because there's so many others that want to have this change happening. But as a collective, are we doing that well? So that's where that question comes from. Thank you.
2: I want to answer that by drawing two examples and experiences I had in my life, right? First one, um, and th- these are two very controversial topics, so bear with me. One's politics, the other one's religion. Just right? keep
6: them short because we've got lots of things to go through, right?
2: Yeah, I'll keep these as short okay. as I can.
6: Good thinking.
2: I will do that. <laughs> so the first one, when I look at politics and so my background in politics, it's not, as, how do you say, it's not, not as not as aggressive as you would think it actually is. So when leaders are actually in parliament, especially in the Australian parliament, they actually agree on almost 98 to 99% of the matters that are actually being put forward at the table. However, there is an expectation that politics is a football game, and that's just crap, that's bullshit. Imagine if leaders actually got together in the media, actually put that sensationalism aside, and actually show the part of the politicians actually working together. When you're talking about a high conservative party and a, mm. and a, and a left party working together for the commonality, but media doesn't show that. The media shows that it's like football where the guys are butting heads at each other. It is confrontational. It is aggressive. The guys hate each other's guts. Truth, from a guy who's been there, that's yeah. not the okay. case. But yeah. that's not what the Australian public sees. And I'd assert that's not what everyone else sees. As a result, politicians are seen as players in a football game, Right? So it's almost like there's a social expectation that leaders are always nabbing at each other's heels, trying to take each other down. I don't think that's the case. Second example is I wanted to bring quickly to this one. It is also from the point of religion. So in two thousand and nine, I was actually on the Parliament of World Religions, representing the Hindu youth. Right now, full disclosure: I'm not like it down your religious. I have spiritual beliefs. They align with Hinduism, but I'm not going to like you know I'm not going to condemn you to twenty thousand reincarnations because you don't believe what I believe, right? Phew,
6: I was a bit worried there for a second. But, yep. Yeah. You- I can breathe so, again now.
2: When we were part- <laughs> when we were, <laughs> you can breathe, you guys can all breathe. When we were discussing matters of global unity and working together as people of faith, as people of religious background, we did not see the differences. We saw the commonalities. Yeah. Yet, why is it that around the world, people are shoving it down your throat, my religion is better than yours? My faith is better than yours. My faith is different. You're going to go to hell. You're going to be reincarnated mm-hmm. 3,000 times as a cockroach. but like, what the hell? Like, seriously, it doesn't happen that way. When we were there at a leadership level, there was almost an expectation that we get along, all right? So I think behind the scenes, leaders want to get along. But what I'm finding is that in the public eye, people are looking for identification, but they don't identify as a, a human collective. They identify as tribes. And I think the time is gone where we're tribes and we are a human collective. And that's how i want to answer the question right that's how i want to answer the question there so okay, i hope that was short enough
6: that was awesome i loved it thank you michelle expectations how do you think this plays a part in what we're doing and who we are the expectations. how we're turning up at the table
3: so expectations we have on ourselves and expectations others have on us i assume I don't know
6: exactly but this is a new way we're just using a lens going oh what does that bring up in you where do you go with that because I think it's so easy for us to communicate as a whole going when I ask this question this is the lens now we're using so I'm going to get these answers I'm not looking for that I'm wanting all these different answers because you bring your smartness to the table so for you what does that bring up expectations
3: so expectations, the expectations we have on ourselves, I think we're very, that worst critic as a rule, we're mm. much tougher on ourselves often. But also, as everyone's been talking about the collective and, and the community and the culture and the world, we're talking about human rights and stuff as well with Manuel, the expectations that all puts on us, you know, creates all these layers, and we're not sure. Actually, some of them I feel, when you will analyze them, they kind of feel the opposite as well. So it's like, You can understand why some of us are like, oh, I don't even know who I am anymore, which seems to be a big part of our society at the moment where people are trying to finance a lot of what Jen does is trying to help people work out who they are and where they're going. So for me, that expectation thing, again, I might bring in a story. Uh, (laughs) My family about 20 years ago changed how we eat. So we eat our main meal in the morning, which is not revolutionary by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, you know, this morning I had uh, chicken and chorizo soup and like, yesterday it was a curry. I saw our... it was. What time are you eating that meal, curiously? So <laughs> 7.30 if the kids have to go to school, you know, like it's uh, like, and then at nighttime, we would have what you would traditionally have at breakfast. So we have that at night. So we go to bed without having all that meat or whatever to digest. And, you know, we eat the main calories of the day at the beginning, and then we use the energy rather than going to sleep, <laughs> you know, so it's just a logic. and. We did a little bit of research and things. Anyway, we did that about 20 years ago and we've continued to do it. But the expectation on other people, it was like, oh, you're setting yourself apart. And, you know, it's we're just choosing when to put food in our mouths. But it was like, my mum's like, oh, I can't invite you for dinner anymore. I can't, you know, and then other people are like, oh, we can't go out or we can't come to, you know, I'm like, no, we're flexible. You can still invite us for dinner. We'll just have two meals that day. You know, so what? But it's like, <laughs> because we stepped apart from there's a bit mikhil was talking about tribe we were stepping apart from mm. the tribe and the accepted and so i don't know does that answer the question yeah a bit? I, that's I love how that. i ex- have experienced it in my life
0: that yeah. resonates with me as well michelle like and i decided to stop drinking five years ago and You're i think particularly is. in australia being a massive drinking culture yeah. and look to be fair like even in entrepreneurship and business like everything's kind of celebrated or discussed over a drink right And then for a really long time, once people go through that peer pressure phase of like, come on, Jackson, like, let's go have one drink, like it's going to be all right. But then you get to this phase of being ostracized, because you're different, very similar to what you've just shared, Michelle, and people just can't relate to you anymore, because that's the kind of the medium that's used, that you have something in common. And then and I guess it's really interesting to see how people, it comes back to the belief piece that Nikhil's talking about when people's beliefs and the ways that they do things are challenged, they're fundamentally threatened and they go into a defense. Um, And I think this is so important for us to open up these forums, particularly to talk to our networks and communities to reassure them that it is okay to have people around you that are different, that believe different things than you, that have different values to you. And one of the most important lessons that I've actually learned recently is not closing your mind off to people that you don't like. Because if there's people that you don't like and you just close your mind off to learning from them, then there is still this pretty significant part of the world that you can't learn anything from. And when you can keep your mind open to people that you don't necessarily agree with, that you don't necessarily like, and you can still learn and take something away from them, the world is definitely your oyster.
6: It has been the best, and there's always something. What I've learned is there is always something you can connect on. I think that was one of the pieces that you brought out, Nikhil, was we may disagree on everything else at the table, but what's that one thing that we can connect on that we can then shift it from problem to solution? And that's what this is all about, is that we can bring these distinctions, these differences to the table and find out that actually one thing we have in common is that we want connection. We want to move and shift it as a collective. And I think that's an interesting thing. Jen, I'd love to hear what you think around the whole tribal side of it. What does that bring up for you when we start talking about expectations and being part of a tribe or standing out and then maybe thinking to do it differently but not necessarily that's the way the tribe does it? Well,
1: I've become anti-tribe. But like, Mickey, I was just going, yes, because... I believe that the human consciousness has to evolve beyond the tribe. And the tribe has to be humanity. It has to be humanity. It has to be all the colors of humanity. And the thing is, we can't do it. It's like we can't. It's like we've got a DNA code that just won't let go, which is why we've got the bullying, which is why we need the human rights platforms, which is why, you know, I was talking about Elon Musk. This might sound confrontational, well, I'm not a fan of Elon Musk. I'm just not a fan of him. And, you know, I went on to Clubhouse the other day and every single room <laughs> was live streaming him. And it felt like, hang on, he's not God. He's not God. He's just a guy that's super smart. That Let's be clear about it. He's beyond smart. He's got some elite money behind him. And he doesn't relate to normal human beings. Because he's like Kiri Marie was saying about those type of people that are super smart like that friend that you had. So therefore he'll create an energy pendulum out of, you know, because he's smart and he'll get the smart people who will see he's an asset they'll put a lot of money behind him. He'll be even smarter and he'll go, I need more power, I need more energy, I need more things. He'll come up with ideas that may not be good for humanity. It's not good for humanity to go and live on Mars and live under the ground that is not our human codes, that is not being human, Humanity's on the planet Earth. And so we have to find ways to be together here and not try and, like, use these concepts and then get this energy pendulum of all these people worshipping Elon Musk. I'm not a fan. And so I'm not a fan of any influences at the moment. I'm not a fan of Oprah. I'm not a fan of anybody because I can see that people get this thing kicked in in their tribe, in their tribal codes, in their DNA, that they think I won't belong if I'm not watching Netflix and following that and doing this and doing that. And so it's a real dilemma, like how do we do it? And then we've got marketing. I'm a marketer too, so I know about Soul Tribe. I know about standing for something. I know about polarization. I try not to do polarization because I don't want the karma of the polarization of creating the tribe around the polarization. I have to carry the energy of that, so it's very late, and I don't have an answer for it. I really don't. It's almost like I'm watching a train, a train crash happening with humanity. But then this train crash has been happening through all time. Like we keep repeating this human, and maybe that's part of our humanity, as we have yeah. tribes that regroup and we grow out of tribes and we regroup, like leaving a family. Like I know in New Zealand, it's very tribal. A lot of New Zealanders I know don't do well till they leave New Zealand. They don't make more money, they don't get better partners, they don't stop drinking, they don't do whatever because they can't do it in the tribe. And so I just think it's part of our, well, it's space chakra if you're into energy stuff. It's like we don't feel safe unless we belong to something. And so people will give us things to belong to so we can lose our power there. So as Nikki was saying, I think we've got to be always evolve into what is my individual code that connects me to, I want to say God because I'm a goddie as well, connects me to God where I can be kind and help more people and create, you know, a loving contribution to them with the gifts and talents that I might have in my particular little niche thing. And if everyone's doing that, I think everyone's, you know, phone's got reception and we're all talking our conversations and there's like these conversations, there's there's an orchestra of humanity
6: happening. Okay, Um, so Nikki, I know you've got something to say but just hold that for a second. Sean. I'd love to hear what your response is to what Jen's just opened up.
7: Yeah, it's interesting uh, when you get to tribe, like how in the question is, how do leaders connect and get together and actually do things? And I personally believe that there has to be some sort of a greater cause that draws us all towards that one thing so we can unite together. And so I'm thinking like, for example, I know that your one of your big movements is the human trafficking and eliminating that one of our big movements is to end world thirst. And so like, I believe that if leaders can get together and like decide on what are the most important things to fix, I think that's where a lot of people get mixed up because there's so many choices. And then it appeals to like the inaction bias when there's just too many choices out there, people don't make a choice. And so it's Mm. like when you find, and I think that's where the, again, I don't remember, I think it was Michelle and you said, they don't have the identity, they don't know who they are anymore. And so I think giving, as leaders where we're at, like the collaborative and what Jackson said, we got to look horizontally. Like our job as these leaders where we stand right now is to inspire the people that can look towards us, that can have a cause that we have that everyone can rally behind. And then as us leaders, we have to a inspire them, but B connect with everybody in this collective here and then figure out in our, amongst ourselves, like what are the things we're going to go do to impact the world? And then, how do we align all of the causes so that we can like band together our masses, our tribes that we've all built? And I think when we do that, that's where we'll get to a place where we have, you know, our CEO says, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I'm a, a super big believer in like going far and really making an impact and doing something worthwhile doing. I mean, why do we build business? It's not for cash flow. I mean, at first, most people think it's for cash flow. But once you get past that, like, where is the impact? And so like if you can't be the leader that creates some type of an impact, shame on you. Like
2: that's what our job
7: is.
6: <laughs> Love that, Nikki. Now
2: yeah. yeah. I just wanted to raise that issue. I gotta be honest, Jen. I actually quite like Elon Musk, but not from a God point of view. I like the fact he's got this out of box thinking, and I like the fact that he says that human beings need to be an interplanetary species. But something you raised there was just so interesting, it completely like flipped my thinking, and I just wanted to share it, right? If humans became an interplanetary species and we encountered aliens and there were aggressive aliens, I know this sounds a little bit way out there, but would humanity, you know, would they come together? My gut instinct is look at what happened with COVID because that's kind of like an alien invasion. when you Think about it, right? Well, how have we done with COVID? Some places have done really well. Some places are still in denial. I look at my mother was born in a country called Tanzania, right, in eastern Africa. They're COVID denialists, and people are dying of COVID day after day after day, and the president says, you mentioned COVID, you're going to get incarcerated. And I'm like, what the fuck? Seriously, how does that even happen? Your population is dying, right? The rest of humanity wants to do something, and you guys are refusing COVID vaccinations, let alone if you're caught wearing a mask, you're arrested and incarcerated. If you mention COVID, you're arrested and incarcerated. Really? Yeah. It's gone the other way.
1: It's gone completely
2: the other way, and I'm, I'm just wondering, and I just wanted to put it out there, like, will there ever be a point, will there ever be a convergence point where humanity will unite, or are we just going to constantly look for it? And as leaders, right, and the way I look at it, right, is as leaders, we've got to realise it's not leader against leaders. We're all on the same freaking yeah. team, right? We are on the same team. It's team mm-hmm. humanity. i get a T-shirt now, It says hashtag team humanity, right? But yeah. Seriously, that's what came up when you spoke there, Jen. I just want to kind of throw it out there that,
6: and Manuel's pretty- almost falling through the screen as he's wanting to talk. I can see <laughs> it. Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally, you know, uh, kill in a shot, you know, I think, um, and, uh, and Jen. I think we can see here, you know, what it's a tribe, it's a group, okay? We here, you know, represent any group. We have a group, we're part of different groups here, you know, but here we are a group together. And I think yeah. what we did here, you know, we create an affinity with each other, and right now, we, with communication, we create a reality about each other. And if we, just, because everything is moving, moving into today's time, you know, fast and furious, we don't have time to listen to each other, to understand about each other, yeah. and understand, you know, or look forward to understand about Jan, understand the look about to Sean, uh, Michelle, you know, Jackson and Yuki and Nikhil, you know. But when we start to learn about each other, you know... He wants
6: to know
4: about you too, Sean, more, but, you know... Yeah, but the thing is, is, you know, the point is, you know, when you learn about each other, you know, you create what? You create a reality, you create an understanding, and after that, you have an agreement. And after that, you can have goals because you have an agreement, we know each other, but where is the goal, you know? And if you create the goals, you know, to support humanity, to resolve any problems which we face right now together and not, you know, here's the things, you know, because with this COVID, we fail, you know, to help the with the human rights, the people who has already COVID and people doesn't have COVID, you know, and the community which they don't have COVID and everything is the confusion and mix. But my point I want to make is, if we take the time to learn, to listen, and be open to learn about others, we can create a big community and we can understand what are the problems we have and let's understand how to tackle and resolve those issues.
6: Yeah, love that. Michelle. I see, I see Michelle is
4: ready, you know. Yeah,
6: she's busting, like, isn't like, she? Let me say something. <laughs>
4: okay.
6: Isn't I it hard, though? Here's, no, here's the thing, though. Isn't it hard? Because the other thing of listening is that we've got amazing people with amazing insights on this table. Everyone's got them. And as someone's answering something, I'm sure that's conjuring up something else in your brain, right? So we're all kind of busting to talk here. But that's part of what we've got to do is listen at the same time. So, Michelle, we're listening to
3: you. Thank you. That was awesome, Manuel. I agree with all of that. It just sparked in me. Uh, We took three of our five children away and travelled around the world for 18 months, and the reason that we did that was that we wanted them to be citizens of the world, not citizens of Australia, not citizens of, you know, England, because we have some connections there and other parts of Europe. We wanted them to be like to these borders are just that humanity. We've all touched on that, and we wanted them to be citizens of the globe. And, you know, we stayed with Muslim people. We hung, the kids played soccer with... Lots of and have now have friends in Indonesia who are Muslim. We hung out in Malaysia and Vietnam and Cambodia, lots of countries and lots of Europe and and other places. And we've introduced them, you know, they have friends who are gay and friends who are all, you know, from all different parts of what it is to be human. And what I noticed then is that when you meet someone that you're not frightened of is not the right word, and possibly it is in some cases, but that you don't have never had any other understanding of you realize that person is just another human and yeah. as Kiri Marie said earlier there's always something that you can connect with even when you don't have the language I've always found even if I can't speak the language of the person that I'm communicating with there's a way to communicate with them and can connect with them once you can do that it's like oh that's right I know this Muslim person for using that as an example and they're wonderful, they're lovely people, you know. And I, but that person, so therefore that you pull that across the rest of that tribe, community, or whatever, and it's no longer this fearful thing. And that's what I see so much. And I wonder if it's fear or whatever, and if there was a way that we could get everybody to meet or to, yeah. to communicate with people from that other tribe that they're worried about fearful about or don't just don't understand whether that would break down a lot of the barriers that we're talking about that stop that communication learning stops us from being humanity as a whole rather than lots and lots of tribes fighting against each other
6: because i get to roll with this i'm going to interject there because here's the thing humanity is something that is so important to me as you all know and to me humanity is the tribe that we are And we've got to bring that as a tribe, come back to the, and I do think of it as a tribe, a group of people, as you said, Manuel, that is what I think. But I think that humanity needs to come with all of those distinctions to the table. And I get the privilege of working with both extremes from, you know, top decision tables. I have sat down, not with Oprah, maybe one day I'll get to have a conversation with her, but with many of the giants that are giants that are known across the world. I think the world, and this goes back to expectations and perceiving, in other words, what lenses people put on them, have put. I never wanted to meet my friend Richard Branson. I never did, but I wanted to meet him because I wanted to meet a guy who has done so many amazing things. I wanted to know how he thought. I wanted to know what he was doing next, I wanted to glean from that side of him. I never wanted to meet him as a person. The moment I met him, I fell in love with him as a person because I realized that media had made him this person that was just, you know, full of himself, that, you know, he would do all these crazy things. And when I learned why he did those crazy things, and actually he's an extreme introvert, hates speaking, terrible speaker, If you've ever seen an interview with him, which I did on this particular one of the times that I've spent time with him, and he was terrible. He was looking down all the time like this, you know, but what I loved was his insights when he answered those questions. I could have moved past him because I thought that he had nothing to offer because I thought that, well, he's just not my type of person. But I am so thankful that I got to connect with him and he has helped to shift so much of what I do today because of his thinking and just a couple of things that really changed my thinking. And I think we miss out as humanity because we don't look the same, we don't sound the same and that gap between the fact that there are so many awesome people doing things and this coming together as a collective, we miss out because we go in what has happened in the past. And, I, you know, I think this is where segregation has come. And there's many groups that have joined together because of, you mentioned it, Sean, a liking to a cause, a vision, a thought, whatever that is. But maybe it's not even that we have to have that vision and thoughts that is the same, but the same is that we want to see humanity and maybe this is the vision humanity moving forward, adding value to it, not taking away. So that means we're going to come from many different ways of what that can look like. But actually, that's where it comes back to, that we're going to come to the table knowing we're going to bring those differences, knowing that that's okay, that we're all different, and also knowing that we're probably not going to agree. And I think that this is where it becomes an interesting thing. Sounds so good in theory, but come on. If we disagree at this table, like Jen says about Elon, I don't have anything either way because I literally have never met the guy. I've just, I've heard, and I like to learn from people that are really smart and who have done things. And so I'm learning from that. And, in fact, yesterday, if you ever get a chance, it was a very different decision table. But Greg, I spoke to him, and he's, you know, doing the whole electric car. He's learned so much from Elon to now do the flip side of what Elon's doing and bring in the renewable energy and create the electric car. That's where we learn from people that maybe we don't believe in the same thing. Maybe we don't have the same values, but we do want to see sustainable solutions. And the only way we're going to do that is if we learn from each other.
4: Yes, and I totally understand. I totally agree with you, Kiri. You know, these are things. When I share, you know, like uh, Elon Musk, you know, Elon Musk, you know, it was a point, you know, to fail. But to what he did, you know, he never gave up. I think that is important, you know, everyone to take from Elon Musk. You can do it. Sometimes we have ups and downs and Elon Musk did this, he say, OK, I will make it happen. I, maybe I don't have a solution right now, but I'll make it happen. Not today, maybe tomorrow. And I think that is important, you know, for us to share, the, you know, or take those kind of um, goals you know from others you know i can i you know we can share those goals but also you know when you are judging you know we we are because we have our beliefs and we based on what we learn from our parents from our community and where we live there if we start to go to other communities and you know like i love you know michelle said you know hey i take my kids i take my kids and show the world when you do that Mm -hmm. if we have a conversation with michelle's kids we'll say you know like you know the uh, u.n declaration said you know university declaration said you know all we are born equal you know they will find that you know say oh no discrimination we are born equal you know and that will come up i was an international uh, sales manager for general electric you know and i was an i was for heavy global accounts including australia you know and it's different culture what i did i start to learn the culture if you are open yeah. to start that culture You start to learn, like, you know, what Jackson said, you know, we start like drinking. I love drinking, you know, but the point is not that, you know, (laughs) it's not that, you know, because in Australia, but you learn something which is unique and maybe you can take it home with you, you know, and say, oh, they like this, they love this, you know, oh, why we don't do this on our side, you know, in our community. And when you start to share in this kind of culture things, you create a big community. And after that, you are open to learn. If you stay in inside, because of course you are persecuted, you need to raise your hand and you need to ask for help. And we are here, you know, the same, the group, help you out to understand. Hey, you have a problem, and or somebody have a problem with you. Let's understand that. And especially when I was because I'm focused only in business. Right now I shift that because it was an international region of freedom. You know, started to. Two years ago, I was exposed, you know, and, uh, we know, when I hear, you know, people are persecuted religious, you know, in different countries, and I start to understand why we cannot do business with other countries, because if they don't help own people, you know, to not persecuted and uh, allow human rights, you know, how I can do business with that community. And that makes the, you know, you want to do business, you're looking on the money, you want to deliver your products and services, and that. But you forget about, hold hold on, you need to start, you know, that country, you know, to take to different standards, you know, to, again, education, do whatever it needs to do, you know, to not persecute anyone, to keep everyone, you know, it's a tribe, it's a, whatever it is, whatever group is there, hold them, (laughs) understand, listen, and after that, make an impact and you can create that to be prosperous because after all the communities are together, And they reach on own beliefs, they reach the religion, they understand everyone. After that, you know, they prosper, you know, they create awareness for that country and that group. And after that, you can deliver whatever they're doing because they are open. I say, okay, give it to me and I will make it happen.
6: Yeah. So I love how you say there, educate, understand, and then impact. That's the pieces of those. I love that. Okay, so Jackson, let's move to you for a second. How can we listen better? How can we make sure that we're having these kind of conversations and how can we also join together more as a collective in your thinking?
0: Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Look, I'm not a scientist, but I've come up with some kooky ideas over the years. And I think that as leaders, we need to challenge what is. And we've got to realise looking back through history, evolution has occurred through things that have threatened our survival. And the issue is that now because we're, we're making certain decisions of our own evolution by choice, as humanity, we're evolving at different paces at different rates, which is the reason why there's a divergence between people connecting because we're sometimes at different stages of, of evolution. So we've got to realise that we've got to come back to having something in common around our ongoing survival as humanity. And I think if we can, have, if we can really connect to what that survival is, which at the moment there's people fighting for human rights, We're talking about opportunities of colonising Mars, but we're not addressing the real issues of saving our planet. And we're all pursuing our own selfish agendas to a degree that we Mm -hmm. need to look at, well, what do we all share in common and what is the one constant that we can all evolve with together? Yeah. And then I think it's a matter of us understanding and listening to other people's perspectives. And I think when we can have this view on the world as leaders and we can listen to other people's agendas around what they're trying to pursue in terms of their leadership, then we can have a better chance at finding commonality and then evolving together. Mm, Interesting. Jen, sorry, Sorry,
6: Nikhil, just just wait one tick.
0: All
6: right, right, Nikhil, come on.
2: I have to ask it. sorry. Jackson, I just want to clarify, do you feel that this whole idea of colonising Mars is a cop-out from addressing the problems at hand? Do you think it's just a quick fix solution?
0: I think it's, it gives people something to hang their, their objections and reason for not saving what we've already got. Um, and yeah. saying, oh, that's fine. We've got another option. Because people, as humanity, we like to chase shiny objects. It's what we've been conditioned to do over the last few decades, right? And this yeah. new shiny object being Mars, which is just, it's so unfathomable that we are pursuing something that's so far out of reach still, but we're not, and we've got governments around the world that still aren't even addressing the proven fact of global warming and the issues that we have here around creating a more sustainable way of living across the world. And I think by way of creating these distractions, it, creating an opportunity for leaders to pursue these things and silence the real problems, and for that reason, I think we need to bring people back to the here and now and fix what, the problems that we've already got
4: right in front of us.
2: Otherwise, yeah. we could be just messing up another planet, basically.
6: That's pretty much yeah. what he's saying.
4: <laughs> I want to interject here because, you know, I, I think Jackson make a good point, you know, also, you know, we try, you know, I agree with you with the shiny objects, you know, because we want to go, you know, for the future, but also today, in today's days, you know, we have 6.8 million kids, which they don't have chance to study. And that is my why, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I want to help the more kids, you know, to go and have opportunity to to, to, to give the chance to study. And that waking me wake me up, you know, because those kids in different countries, different regions, they have the family. You know, they don't have water. They need to walk five miles or five kilometers to bring one water daily for the family to exist. I think we have if we look at those kind of things, like we try to because again we start from all born are equal, we have kids which they are born in different places of the world, but they don't face the same Situation, what? I, because I'm born in the, uh, Europe, and right now I live in the United States. But what happened with that? Uh, you know, it's in the, in Africa, in the Northern Africa or South Africa, and he cannot go to school. And how I can help? Because I'm here, and I, I, I will have, I'm teaching my kids to help others to have the opportunity to study, to make sure they have access, they make sure they have food, they make sure they have water, and they make sure you know they have the minimum. Things to do, you know, how much it costs a kid to go to Pakistan per year to go to school is $200. You know, and $200 is for to have the books, to have the the uniform, whatever they needed, the clothes and the books. But with $200, you you can change somebody's life. And that is my why. And I'm encouraged, you know, everyone has their own why in this life. But I totally agree. We need to help we have some problems here on the earth we need to fix it before we go there also we let others like musk and others you know to they have the vision they have a solution let's do it but us we have the responsibility and mm, to be responsible to help others especially you know if i spoke to jen there are kids there with any help with the school you know in that tribe i don't know details but maybe they need help because Maybe they don't not, not uh, open others to go to other groups, and maybe they have uh, problems. But I don't know. I cannot say. But if I learn more, I can understand how I can solve that.
6: Yeah, yeah, totally. Jen, what about you? How do you see we you know, narrow that gap between more leaders listening and the whole thing that I opened up with, basically?
1: I just want to do a little disclaimer on Elon Musk. I just get really annoyed when people kind of go Ooh, outside of themselves. It's like that thing in the playground where the smart kid is kind of the one that looks like he's going to solve the problem, and it's like it's within all of us to bring a bit of creativity to the picture. And also, how do we hold this whole pattern of we need to be possibly in space and doing all these things, but at the same time, we need to be building a well. And I think there's room for all of that, all those multidimensional people doing their multidimensional thing. It's like for me, it's just there's a I feel like there's a the influencer thing needs to kind of we need to know that we're all influencers in our own way and not kind only of give it's only about giving power away. I'm not saying that anybody here has, but it's just when I saw everybody going, oh, like leave almost them themselves and their potential power in their own communities. So the question was, how do we as leaders, what did you say? be
6: Yeah, how do you see us listening better, having these more of these conversations? I can't even remember what the last one is because I've got so involved in this conversation. But yes. anyway. Well, no. <laughs> no isolation. Jordan's isolation, talking. yes. Thank you. Come, yeah, come together was, more as a collective.
1: It dropped in when Sean was talking, you know, because I can see that he's busy and all, everyone's busy and every, everyone's doing their thing. It's creating a space and, like, I've got super strong views about COVID and everything, but I love meeting people that have got opposite views, but I read their nervous system. And so Nikki was saying that about thing and I went, okay, there's another layer into my consciousness about the truth about it just because I've decided because I hang out with, you know, a kind of a, I want to say, I won't use the word elite, but, you know, like a particular tribe that believes all this. And they're all, they're all on my Facebook feed. And then I hear that and I go, I can read his nervous system and I can feel a layer of consciousness coming out of humanity of someone else living their life in another part of the world who's talked to their son, who's got stories, not from the media, not from the thing, and I go, oh, I don't know everything. And I think it's, like, oh, I don't know everything. I just was listening to Manuel. and I went, oh, yeah, I don't know everything. You know, yeah. and, and Jackson, oh, I don't know everything, Michelle. When oh, I don't know everything, I love that feeling. And yesterday, I, I was, I got this um, kind of a download, and I've heard it before, but it was when you're really embodied, like in your body. As human beings, we're meant to be in our bodies, so we get out with these ideas out. We go outside of ourselves. We know everything and nothing at the same time. Yeah. And mm. I think in that, in that kind of spaciousness within our own systems and in, in our own bodies. We've got room for another human being. Like I've got room for all of you guys right now. I've got mm-hmm. many to take it, but then I just was, through the grace of God, I'm here. And I've just taken on all these codes of all you guys, and suddenly I know a bit more, but you haven't told me everything. So I think yeah. it's, it's a cellular thing. It feels like a cellular thing. And if you go into the mind, like we get lost. We think we know more. We have to know something like you were saying at the beginning. And that's uh, I don't know how we do it. I think it's in our code.
6: But I think this is part of it, Jen, though, isn't it, that we're evolving. And what you're talking about is the fact that together, as we're having this conversation, we continue to evolve. And that's what I believe, as a collective, we need to be better at knowing that we are evolving on this journey together. And I think that that's the missing piece, is the together piece. I'm just going to move it along because I know we're beating against that clock And I still have one more question to ask everyone, which everyone knows what I'm going to ask. But I want to finish because I think Sean and Nikhil and Michelle, like I want you to hear what you guys think of how we can, as a collective, keep shifting this to listening better, not having the isolated but joining together as the collective and then, you know, having more of these conversations. So Sean, Nikhil, and then Michelle.
7: Yeah, so... When I first started learning like how to build tribe, I had a lot of teachers. One of them was Russell Brunson. I'm a dear friend of mine and I love the guy to death. And he was teaching us and he learned from someone else that you every kind of movement has a leader, it has a cause and it has a vehicle. So if that's the case, then I think the way to answer the question the best is if all these top level leaders, if they're the leader of some movement, they need to, the answer to this is to check the ego. Because I feel yeah. like if you can check the ego of all the top leaders in the world, and they mm. can come in and get an alignment behind something. I mean, like, look what happened when there was a race to the moon back in the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the whole of the United States country got behind it and went forward after it and, and achieved something that we all thought was impossible in a very short period of time. And it happens not only in America, but in all of the countries that are out there, right? So I think the answer here, is something that I don't, it would take quite a while to do. But I think if you can crack the ego of the top leaders, us and everybody included, just to say, look, you have to listen. And if there's a way to force people to like just leave the ego at the door and then rally behind what the cause of humanity should be, which is to obviously make an impact on the earth, leave it as a better place than you came in, or at least that's the records that play in my head. Maybe someone has different ones, but-
6: I like those records, bring them on.
7: Yeah, and so I, I mean, that's, that's literally where it's at. And so I think like, to, just very simply, if we can communicate more effectively, that's why I believe communication is literally the foundation or the base of about yeah. everything on the planet. If we can communicate to the leaders to check the egos and so that everybody can come together and go after a mutual cause is what Jackson was saying is like, and we cannot get stuck in that a bias of there's too many decisions. You know, we could just tack. I mean, like, look at a business, right? When you're going to fix a business, you look at the core functions of a business. There's usually five of them, at least in my world and what I teach. And when you go fix those things, you fix them one at a time. Right. So like if we had the ability to get all the world leaders to focus on fixing one thing at a time, you know how quickly we could just change everything. Yeah. That's what I would say.
6: I love that. Nikhil, quick, your turn.
2: Real quick. Okay. So I'm going to say something, which is a little bit crazy. Okay. I think firstly, i I expect nothing less, by the way. I think humanity is right for revolution right now, to be honest. I think Evolution will get you so far. I think humanity needs a new revolution. Now, it doesn't have to be a coup or it doesn't have to be a war, but I think there is a conscious revolution that needs to take place. And Mm -hmm. I think part of that is that a new approach to leadership needs to be taking the lead here. We can't depend upon the existing world leadership. We we can't depend upon the existing body politic out there to make the decisions for humanity. I think this new approach to leadership needs to take a stand and say, that's it, guys, enough is enough. We need to be out there making change. And I think the next part is then, shut up and listen, literally just close your mouth and listen to what people are saying. to
6: say. Here, mm, here, go, Michelle, your turn. For me
3: and what I've been trying to work out while well, I've been listening to all of you amazing people is we are all talking global, but actually my world really is individual. And when I say that, I'm talking about health. And I think a lot of us neglect it, including leaders to a big degree, <laughs> And when I'm talking about health, I don't just mean physical but also mental health. So for me, in order for us to have a healthy planet with healthy people on it, we need to be thinking properly. In order to do that, we need to have proper nutrition. I mean, that does go back to making sure that everyone in the world has all the water and proper nutrition and things like that. And they need to be moving when we're talking about the Western world. We don't move enough. So to me, those things are really important. If we don't look at that individual like that we're all looking after our health and therefore educating because a lot of people have zero idea on what that means to have a healthy mind healthy body if we don't do that then the rest of it's going to all collapse anyway because all of us leaders will just all fall on the ground because we're not healthy because we can't be healthy Mm -hmm. enough to go to mars or whatever or to let alone fix everything that we need to do down here because what we're talking about is actually it requires energy on all levels So if we're not in the best space that we can be and therefore have educated us ourselves in what that means and that is not actually in the universities or in school at the moment really like what what it means to really be healthy body and mind. Yeah so that's kind of taking it right back to the individual level maybe it's that as Jen said I think we're all leaders and not just if you've got a bunch of people following you or if you've got kids but I think you're a leader in your own body. So it's of your own destiny and therefore can come together as a much healthier collective in the future and make decisions that actually we will make a difference instead of, you know, what we end up having at the moment. On another smaller side, one of my friends in America is actually a mad scientist for NASA and wants to go to Mars and I can probably connect you with him and we could have that side of why people want to go to Mars (laughs) in a conversation maybe next month, who knows. Anyway, just wanted to put that
1: as an aside. (laughs)
6: You guys are distracting me. (laughs) It's hilarious. Are they Um, (laughs) commenting? They're commenting.
1: Michelle like Mother Earth.
6: She is Mother Earth. That's exactly who she is. All right, so last question, everyone, and I'm going to start with Manuel with this one, and then we're going to move to Jackson, Jen. Oh, no, actually, we're going to, sorry, Manuel, Jackson, Michelle, Jen, Nikhil, and then Sean well this question is we've had an amazing conversation here so i want to thank you publicly to every single one of you to be willing to come on here and have this conversation because that first is where it starts like you guys are willing to step up to have this conversation to go wherever it needs to go and you've helped to create an awareness i think within yourself so going back to the individual michelle it's That comes first, right? From our conversation, it's what are we taking that? Where are we thinking about that? And then looking at it as the, well, what is it that we'd like to see shift across the globe as a leadership across the globe, as a collective? And then coming right back to this, what are you taking? So we've got an awareness, but I think the next piece is ownership. It's like what we've said. There's a responsibility of how are we going to be? Because we can't change other people, but we can make sure that we're doing our piece to help shift from problem to solution across the globe. I think that's, you know, for me, the biggest thing that we can do as a collective. And how do we do that? And what does that look like comes from these conversations? So, my final question, which I ask on the decision table every time, is this Manuel, what are you taking from our conversation today?
4: Uh, first, uh, thank you so much, everyone, uh, you know, to be part of this, and especially Kiri for inviting me and uh, Very
6: welcome. My
4: takeaway from this conversation is, you know, I agree totally with Sean. You know, we need to, uh, to communication is the key. If we start to communicate effectively, mm-hmm. we can make a big impact. And I totally agree also, you know, with uh, Michelle, you know, to be healthy. But uh, also, it's our responsibility, which you say, Kiri, we need to be responsible, and because it's a lot of information outside, you know, and also the social media and everything, it's we responsible to share there the right information for people to understand what's to take there, and we need to apply because we have lots of information, but we don't apply. We are not in action. We are just observers. And I think if we start to be uh, to implement those, you know, implement the right information. I think we create create an impact on uh, for new for the youth especially and also for the new leaders you know because if we stand for our rights again and not only the human rights because this is the human rights you are born you know the 30 human rights right. but the point is you know if you take responsibility and we share the information which is the good information because right now in media and everything it's a disinformation and just the manipulation of masses. I think we can stand and we can educate the kids in the proper way to educate and create an impact. And we can teach them to decide what is good and what is bad. Because nobody's teaching in a school, you know, how to learn and how to decide what is good and what is bad, you know. And I think if we, first, we help them to access to study. And after that, to take them to be confident and they have a voice, I think we will make a big impact. And thank you so much because I don't want to be longer, but mm. uh, I appreciate no, It's amazing. It's awesome.
6: There. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Next one. That was me. Yes.
0: This has been a fantastic conversation. And look, I think what I've taken away from this is that we're part of a, a capitalist system, right? We're all in business. We're as part of a capitalist regime. And I, I personally feel that capitalism has the framework that provides us the most potential. However, it's about finding the balance of capitalism for achieving self-actualization as opposed to our own selfish endeavors. And this is the reason why I teach wealth and finance because I feel that if we've got this fantastic platform that if we can achieve financial freedom as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as individuals, it allows us to meet our own individual needs and provides us a platform to then create meaningful impact in the world. The issue is, and Jen touched on this, is that we don't want to become addicted to power for our own selfish pursuits, and this is about ensuring that we come together for something. We achieve the ability to meet all those ego needs so then we can live a comfortable lifestyle, but we use it as a platform to actually give back. So the important thing is that we all make sure that we're not so internally motivated, always looking internally for what we want, but it's about what can we use as our platform And as leaders, as a collective, to come together to really make a meaningful difference in the world because it's remiss of us not to.
6: Yeah, I've got an answer to that one. Next one. (laughs) The platform, I mean, of coming together as leaders. (laughs) Who was next?
3: I think it was me, I think. Okay. Okay,
4: okay.
3: I'll just go next anyway. Uh, (laughs) So, yes, what a wonderful conversation. It's so awesome to meet the three of you that I haven't met before. So, Thank you. You're now part of my collective and part of my world. So that's awesome. Mm. And I feel really good about that. What I've taken out of today is that sense of responsibility for what I know and what I'm passionate to push into the world. And even when it's hard to take mm. that responsibility and to realize that, you know, you're responsible for making that a thing. And something that Jackson just said reminded me of something that I've heard many times, but I've started saying to myself every day now, and that is, who can I help today? And that is that kind of taking it, you know, away from just your internal, how can I be a better person or how can I do things selfishly a little bit, but how can I actually help someone else, I guess. So for me, that outside looking, taking what I know and the skills that I know that it and it's that once you know something, you can't unknow it. And all of us in some way want to educate the world about something. So once we're able to educate these other people, our hope is that once they know that, they can't unknow. It. So whether they choose to take action on those things or not is up to them. But once they know it, they can't unknow it. So I suppose there's that element of it as well and being able to to push that out to people. So Thank you for allowing me some time to reflect on this on a Sunday morning. I really appreciate it. It's Sunday here in Australia. I'm sure you Americans know that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: thank you, Michelle, because I know you wanted to be running rather than being here, and I know you've still um, got to do that run. Yeah.
2: And it's warmer out, in the day,
6: and she was like, no! And ah. I said, yes, I really would love you to be a part of this conversation, <laughs> and you've added so much value into it. Thank, thank you. Me. So is it Nikhil next, or is it – was that yes. right?
4: Yes. Yeah.
2: Sorry, yeah. I had to jump hey. off there real briefly, but I'm back now.
6: That's all right.
2: You're I'm, back here now. I'm back. Yeah, you know, my, <laughs> my biggest takeaway, honestly, and this was some uh, somewhat of an eye-opening moment for me, was mm. stop thinking too far ahead and start looking at the issues in your own backyard. And I've got to specifically say, like, Jackson, something you said, Jen, something you said, Sean, stuff you said, really just resonated with me. It's like, you know, when we talk about colonising Mars, What's going to happen to our to Earth? Why are we giving up on Earth so easily? Are we giving up on our own backyard so easily? So I'm kind of joining Jenny the I'm starting to become an anti Elon fan now right now. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> By the
1: way, I love everyone. I think he's a genius, but I I didn't like everyone getting swept into away from their own soul.
2: Right, yeah, and that's exactly it is.
1: like soul seed stealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, no, totally get
2: that. You've got to look at your own truth. It's not, not just take what he true. says. But then, Michelle, yeah. you said it one step further, and you said leadership starts with the self and the health. I'm like, holy cow, really if we want to make that much of a difference, we've got to go so micro and start making that difference in our own backyard. But that one step further is if we can't be vital, if we can't be vibrant, then, holy crap, then what change are we going to make to that world, Right. So to me, that was just, wow, okay. It seems so simple and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but it was an aha moment for me. And I was like, all right, that's my big takeaway. It's got to start with the self at a health level, at a personal vibran- vibrancy and vitality level before you can then have that ripple effect to go out. So that for me was my biggest takeaway. And so what does that mean for me? I'm just going to be, I think self-care is, is where it comes down to me. I'm notorious for a burning candle on both ends and and working myself to the ground and doing things like working until 4 a.m. only to wake up at 7.30 a.m. to hustle again. And if I truly, well and truly want to make that difference, I've got to be that example firstly. But I think I've got to Mm -hmm. have that energy to go into it. And so that's where it comes down to I think it's energy management, you know, the way you vibrate, the way your vitality resonates, that in itself will make enough of a change so that you can start inspiring the other people and start being a call and a voice for that change. So, guys, thank you for that. The collective of you guys really woke that in me, and that's just uh, that shifted something in me. So, thank you, really. That's
6: appreciate awesome. It. All right, Jen, yours. Well, I think the whole point of
1: it was not to feel isolated. I'm pretty lit up by everybody. I feel like I'm part now. I've got like I'm not alone. It's weird. Like, and it's just when you're hearing people talking, and mm-hmm. I don't feel so as alone as I did last night, yesterday. My little world. The other thing is I'm playing with this idea that if it's all about me and nothing else matters, I'm probably gonna be more of a gift to the world. And a little bit like Jackson, my works about monetizing unique gifts and contributions. So if everyone pulls really back to themselves, and if you're thinking about Maslow's law about when you're out of survival and you've got your finances in the thing and then you've built the company like Sean has, and then you go to the impact and da-da-da-da. And it's because you, it's all been about you and nothing else matters, and that means your sole purpose, like your impact in the world, your blueprint, you know, your blueprint on the world, and you activate and other people. I think it's going to be a very beautiful, colorful world. But it's because we're, you know, the whole Maslow's whole thing—we're in survival—that we do. We connect to tribes that aren't. We bully. We don't want to do it because we're not feeling safe. So if everyone's a little bit financial, and I, I believe good people do good things with money, so. Yeah, You know that—that's my whole legacy thing that I'm trying to do. So I don't feel so alone with it. i have seen with you guys today. So thank you.
6: You're so welcome. That's so awesome, Sean.
7: Well, first of all, thank you, uh, Kiri, to you. But I will say, Nikhil, burnout is a real place. So be really freaking yeah. careful and get out of there. Like I lived in Burnout Alley for two years, so I understand exactly everything going through. Just be careful of that. My big takeaway was a concept I learned about 20 years ago. The concept is. Mind work, skill work, network in that order. And so like listening through this conversation, it gave me confirmation that that's a true thing. And so here's what I mean, like first thing I heard from Michelle was I needed to be open, be more open. She took her kids on this big trip, which is amazing. And it like teaches her kids to be open. And then Jen came through with like, you have to have hyper awareness and the mindset piece of what she teaches is like definitely in there where it goes mind work, skill work, network, right? And then it was Jackson says, Hey, let's challenge everything. You need to be able to achieve a place where you can move forward. And I think that's doing some of the skill work to get the things that you can put underneath your wings so you can move forward. And then uh, Nikhil says, You know, you got to be, I learned from him today is like play the devil's advocate. Always have the contrasting point of view, have that conversation. Mm-hmm. That's an enlightened conversation. I think that's good. And then Manuel says, Figure out what motivates you. Like, figure out, like, he's motivated by saving a kid in Pakistan for 200 bucks. I'm motivated by, $25 saves a life from having water, right? Like what is the motivation? And then of course, Kiri, the last thing that brings it all together, the network piece is you got to have a platform to get your voice out there. And so if we go back to that one concept, it's like you have to do the mind work. You have to get through yourself first. Then you have to do the skill work. You got to learn the stuff that you can so you can start to make an impact, create cash flow, and then generate wealth, and then start making impact. And then, of course, you start networking and you get to a place like this. And so, again, thank you, Kiri. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak today and and being a part of your world is just it lights me up. I love it, man. It's awesome.
6: (laughs) It's so awesome. Thank you, Sean. And by the way, my friends call me Kiri Marie. So there's been a couple of too many Kiris on this, uh, this call. So I need to say that. Here's the thing. I say it because I think there's been so much that we haven't said in the past when we've felt some way we don't say it. And today, what I've loved about our conversation is that we have had a safe platform here for us to start a conversation that I know is going to keep changing, not just how I'm thinking, what we're thinking as a collective, but those that you are now going to impact in your own sphere of influence as well. So I know that this is a domino effect. So for me, it's always truly such a grateful moment and a privilege to have smart cats at the table who are willing to even start this conversation. I also wanna bring out something. I think that expectations, I'm gonna dive deeper into around that. I think that there is definitely expectations. That's how we get into biases. That's how we get into conditionings across and systems put in place. I think there's some things around that that I wanna pull apart. I love the check your ego moment for me That's actually something that I relate to you in that way, Jen, and you know that I do, that there is and there has been often moments that leaders across the globe who are doing amazing things are just really human beings, but a lot of the time we get to see the ego side of it and that's where we push back on. And so I think we miss out because we push back on that too. If we put that ego aside, what do we get? And that's what this kind of collective is. Every one of you have checked out your ego today, come to the table and really just been so honest and open to for us to learn more from that and then take from that what we need to. I think the mutual cause is another interesting thing. Absolutely. Here's the thing. I think as leaders and if we think of humanity as the tribe that humanity, we want to add value to humanity. We don't want to take away that to me is the mutual cause how can we make sure we keep narrowing that gap not widening it so for me that just makes clarity around that conscious revolution i think that's an interesting thing i hope that it's not war that we bring but i hope that we war against those things that are not adding value to humanity and i think that's the revolution is when we join together as a collective to now go hey as a collective Let's create a conscious revolution to bring the change that we all know and have spoken about beautifully here. Uh, shut up and listen, Nikhil. Beautiful words said. No more needs to be said about that. Healthy. Each one of us, we can bring the best to the table when we're healthy. And, you know, that's always an important thing. And I think one of the things that's come up and I just want to reiterate is the fact that we come as whole leaders We are not just this face that is leading a group or a community or a tribe. We are a whole person and how you are, healthy, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, this is how we turn up as a whole. This is what you bring to the table. So I love the fact that we brought that up as part of our conversation. And the responsibility is ours. Today, I've asked you that question, not because it's a beautiful question to ask, but because I truly want you guys to own what you've learned from this conversation so that I know this has not been a waste of any of your amazing, precious time and that we've created an awareness that is actually going to bring some change across the globe. So, again, I'm truly grateful for each one of you coming together, connecting, and bringing what you do. So I'm going to end this broadcast. Everyone just go, awesome. Awesome.
5: amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode make sure you subscribe ensure you leave awesome rating and review our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards if you want to further your journey with us then apply to join us at our next leaders movement parlay the link is in the show notes we appreciate you Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.